Welcome to 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage. Tonight at the pod bar, we have John, Jen, and me, Herman. If you remember from our previous episodes, last call, we welcomed Luke. Give any advice on how to stay on top of and learn new technology as it comes out. So I think this topic uh, is really important to me as I think one of my biggest fears in my career is that technology is just going to push me by the wayside. And I've worked with a lot of people over the years where that has been the case, you know, TDs who don't use AutoCAD or, or whatever. Um, and that's a, that's a big fear for me personally. And I think that learning the fundamentals of processes and philosophies and those foundations will help you stay on top of the different technology and the different processes as they come out. You know, I think back, I I think a good analogy is thinking back to the first time you drove a car, right? It might've been a small car and, and there were certain parameters around it. You know, I, I learned how to drive in a 1992 Corolla and it was tiny and I could parallel park it. Right. And now I've driven all sorts of different types of vehicles, box trucks, you know, manual uh, transmission and so on and so on. And, and the fundamentals stay the same. And I think to go back to the, the example of AutoCAD, you know, AutoCAD builds on itself in particular, right? So new release every year and there's 10 new features and every decade or whatever, there's like a big massive overhaul where even longtime users might have a little bit of a learning curve or there's one new, um, there's one new tool that is really excellent that you can integrate into your workflow or something along those lines. But if you know the fundamentals behind 2D AutoCAD, you can build on it to do 3D AutoCAD, right? You need to start somewhere and understanding how to think in those terms and communicate and, and what to Google is the way to keep, the way I try and keep up on technology. I also think that um, taking small bites, you know, take, you got to learn how to walk before you can run, right? Before you do marathons and so on. So taking those small bites, I think is really a big part of staying current in technology and, and finding the through line between what you know and what you don't know and how you could bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I definitely want to jump on that small bite thing because I think that's a, that's something that you can kind of carry on throughout your years. Uh, you know, when you're a student, you kind of have a little bit of the comfort of you don't have the, the pressure of the paycheck and the next gig and whatnot. So you can kind of sit down and learn, you know, you're a student, you're there to absorb everything. And, and uh, if you're the really good student, you're off doing your own research outside of class and stuff, and you get to absorb all these things. In a professional world, you still need to continue learning in order to remain current, to remain relative, uh, relevant, uh, to, main, to remain attractive to that future employer as well. Uh, you just don't have that that kind of downtime that potentially a student would have. So that that small bites uh, theory is 
is a good one. Like, I feel like you kind of automatically end up developing a short form on like, what does that new product have? Do I like it? Do I not like it? And you can kind of quickly assess something uh, to at the very least determine, is it worth researching farther a little more in depth or, uh, hey, they haven't really thought about this feature. So it's not even worth my time. Luke's own world of automation uh, constantly changing as well. Yeah, yeah, but when when we talk about automation specific, we got to remember that at a bare minimum, right? Like boiling it way, way, way down. It's a motor spinning forward or a motor spinning reverse. It's a pickle, right? Like you're you're pushing a button to go forward or backward or up or down or some some variety therein, and and taking that baseline, that fundamental of the chain hoist and applying it to different, more complicated methods of control and more feedback. That's how we can do the cool automation stuff. And then we need to build systems to ensure life safety. We need to build other systems to ensure feedback, so on and so on and so on. And that's where we get really complicated in automation, but the right tool for the job, the right amount of complexity for the effect you're trying to create. But if you don't understand how a pickle works, then you're not going to be able to do anything further in automation, right? Like that idea of it's either going forward or reverse at a, at a specified speed. So to, to speak to that a little bit from a design perspective, John, um, you, you have your tools that you're aware of, of how they work, right? And, and the question is, is the tool driving the creative idea or is the creative idea driving how the tool is being used, right? So some designer says, I have this crazy idea that A, B, C, and D needs to happen. You may not know how that's gonna happen, but these are your tools and what other tools, what other technology is out there that you need to locate, learn how to use and incorporate into the project. I think from my perspective, a lot of times that's how we drive the industry forward, right? Is there some crazy creative idea and suddenly we have to, we have to figure it out, right? We have to find the thing that we can sort of use the way it was intended to be used, but also sort of change this component of it and use it to, to achieve what we wanna achieve. And I think that's what our industry is really good at is taking technology and sort of shifting the way it's used. Yeah, absolutely. And when you start thinking about technology that we use in a theater, uh, none of it was specifically designed for the theater, right? You look at, at, at lighting consoles, right? They're running windows in, in the background. You know, you could argue that the moving light was specifically designed for theater. Sort of, you know, it's the components and the technology inside of it and the serial protocol that became DMX and all of that stuff that we borrowed from other industries um, that and reshaped it and painted it black and made it useful for our industry. And so uh, one of the, one of my favorite parts about being a technical director is the fact that some days I'm an accountant, some days I'm a truck driver, then I'm welding, then I'm figuring out whatever. And, and the, the thing that, I think keeps me the most current and, and able to, to change my day-to-day -day work is my ability to teach myself how to do anything extraordinarily quickly. 
I might not be the best at it, but I know how to research and have a wide breadth, not necessarily a depth in every single thing, right? An accountant's going to be a better accountant than me. A truck driver is going to be a better truck driver than me. Uh, you know, someone designing circuitry, they dedicate their career to that. They're going to be better at that faster, higher quality, whatever, but finding the way to communicate and collaborate with the other parties and, and be a team player and understand the capabilities of whatever that technology or whatever that process is um, and, and how we can solve an aesthetic challenge with it uh i think is what keeps me relevant you know i think back to the first led costume that jen and i collaborated on one of the drapers at the organization found this product that we could hold a smartphone up to this circuit board and change the parameters of the led effect and and she told me that and i was like no way you got to be able to plug it in with usb or something somehow and and I went and started researching it and that was the thing. Like it flashed a, a black and white uh, square and was able to reprogram the parameters of that LED and finding that technology and the way to integrate it into these costumes was solving a, an aesthetic challenge um, that Jen could probably talk more about. Your, your story there about the LED and the costumes uh, makes me want to highlight what Jen was saying even further, uh, the insight that she was giving of, especially when you're young, it's very easy to fall for the new toy that's out there, right? To, to, to fall for that sales pitch of like, this is why you need this new toy. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of like in grad school, we would say like, hey, that's cool, but is it connected? Is it connected to the story? Like, just because it's it's this new thing on the market and it's got all the features, is it doing justice to the story that you're trying to provide on stage, right? So yes, here we are giving tips as to how to learn, uh, how to keep up with the technological trends, but we also need to be able to kind of self-check in those moments and like, don't, don't fall, don't go all the way down that rabbit hole because uh, it, could, it could potentially have a negative impact to, to your show, to your story, to your budget, you could have unfortunately set aside a good chunk of money to buy this new thing and kind of uh, really did an injustice to a show of what else could have been uh, if you would have had that money, if you would have saved that. Yeah, this is something that I actually push on my students a lot because I do LED costumes, right? And they all know that I know how to do this thing. And so everyone wants to put an LED in a costume suddenly. And I'm like, but why? Why? Sell me, make it relevant to the story and we will put LEDs in your costumes. But if you cannot make me believe that it's relevant and necessary to the story, then we are not putting LEDs in your costumes, right? So, so just fun stuff for the sake of fun stuff uh, isn't necessarily appropriate to the, to the project, um, mm-hmm. not to yeah. like get way off track in, in Luke's topic I, here. But much like making a podcast, it's a ridiculous amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's also, it's a, it's a ridiculous uh, risk too. Right. And I think this is something I see in, in younger people of this generation as well as like that, that courage and that ability to, to take a risk and maybe fail uh, 
right? Like whether that risk is putting LEDs in, in costumes or literally just trying to learn a new program, uh, learn what a new light does, et cetera. Sometimes you just have to jump in, right? And maybe you don't have a ton of time to figure it out, but you just got to get in there and get your hands dirty and try to sort it out. Um, you're not always going to have all the time in the world to know the technology before you need to utilize the technology. But you got to put in the work to figure it out. As a production manager, uh, production managers are here meant to supervise a full team of experts. And, and as John kind of hit upon, like the, each member is an expert in their field. And, and by no means will I ever try to be like, hey, I know more than you just because I'm, I'm supervising your work. Like, no, it, I'm, I've, I'd like to think that I've gotten to this point in my career because I've, I acknowledge and I respect what my fellow teammates are doing, my fellow collaborators. Um, but at the same time, I need to know a little bit about every field so I don't kind of get taken advantage of and so I can speak intelligently to it. And when everybody comes fighting for that money, I, I can really think about like who's, who actually needs it, right? Who can't solve it some other way? Um, and, and that's where that thought process comes down to what you were talking about, John, of how a motor goes forward or reverse. You know, it reminds me when, when somebody was explaining electricity to me uh, way back in my years of like, at the end of the day, it comes down to positive and negative, right? A little bit of a scary thought, but uh, I, can, I can see the thought process down. So as a production manager, I kind of have to be able to boil down every department. Like what, what is that equivalent for every department? Like what does that thing come down to? Or what does this gag that we're trying to create on stage, what does that come down to? And, and then see how much can I give financially uh, to that person, to that department and whatnot. And, uh, and it really emphasizes the professional development part. Uh, so, uh, a piece of advice that I would give to Luke upon graduating uh, and to every other young professional is to seek out that person that manages the budget, the greater budget. We'll, we'll begin to see our, these trends throughout our episodes. Every topic has two sides, right? So we're, we're looking at the student side or how to overcome that learning block there. Uh, any insight there? Any What, what, what are we... What can we say about that? Well, I feel called out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, I recently, just, just this past semester, I taught a class that I teach um, every other year. And I went back to see how I taught it last time. And there were certain things that were very, like, relevant in my in my outside work at that moment when I taught it last um, that aren't, aren't as relevant right now. Um, so I didn't focus on them as much. And, and I see that sort of cyclical, uh, that cyclical idea of topics that are new to the students, but um, I've, I teach the fundamentals of rigging and structural analysis and electricity and that kind of stuff in this course. And, and, and I try and bring my outside work into the classroom 
And since I'm at a research university, I get a lot of opportunities to do outside work and, and teach myself a new technology and then bring it into the classroom. And, talk, and I think it's really important to keep in touch with people doing the, the cutting edge on the leading line, whether that's Broadway, whether that's special events, and, and keep in touch with my network of folks that, ha- that work in the organizations with the unlimited budgets and, and say, what, what do you need to bring? What do I need to bring into the classroom that you're doing that I might not have been exposed to? And especially pre-pandemic, there's such a need for skilled automation technicians and TDs that a lot of organizations are pretty generous with their time to help aggregate the right skills in students. Um, so that professional network, networking, I'm a big uh, fan of USITT, United States Institute for Theater Technology. I'm pretty active in the organization. Um, both regionally and nationally. I think I just want to call myself out as a costume designer for a second here, right? Um, I think there's a perception that the the costume industry does not progress technology-wise, and uh, that is incorrect. (laughs) Um, It's just not quite in the same way. So one of the things that as a faculty member I recognize as a problem is that we put design students specifically out um, into freelance environments, right? And being able to freelance requires a whole other skill set that's readily available in the new technologies, whether those technologies are things like Teams or Slack or different um, communication collaboration channels, right? Or being able to digitally render when you're a costume designer, there's no like office that you're gonna consistently go back to, right? So the idea that you're gonna go back to your studio all the time and like have your watercolor and all that all set up, that's just not, that's not reality anymore. Um, So learning some of these other technologies that are digital for design and for collaborative processes are the only way in order to put students out who are prepared to to freelance. Um, So that that piece of it, like I'm always looking for ways to take the mundane processes, right? Things like um, how do you process receipts while you're literally walking down the street, right? Because I don't wanna go home and then spend two hours processing receipts. I wanna do it in motion. Um, So I'm always looking for those ways of of doing things on the go, right? Um, and, and to me, that's new, new technology. And, and the way to keep up with that is just indicate that you have a problem or an irritation, right? Like for me, I don't like processing receipts. How can I do this faster? So it's done. Um, the other thing I will say is just keeping I think social media platforms are really helpful. People are advertising like, hey, I'm doing this workshop in Procreate. I have a friend who does workshops in Procreate, which is now the industry digital media standard for costume designers. So as soon as I learned that, I'm like, hey, come give this workshop to my students and myself, right? So I'll take it, but my students will also take it and we'll all be up to a certain level together. Um, so I also think for educators, there's just a, 
an ability to say, you know what? I don't actually know how to do this. We're going to learn it together. Send us an email and, and, and say, I'm looking for this, that, or the other thing. How do I, how do I teach automation to students? Like I could give you a bunch of ideas. I'd be happy to do that. I wanted to highlight the fact that this topic isn't just for a group of technical people. Uh, there's also the non-technical group out there that may be listening to this and think like, oh, I'm going to skip over this episode because I'm not a technician. Uh, I'm just an admin person. I'm just at a desk doing something. But uh, those programs, heck, I mean, right now, COVID, uh, I wonder how many people knew Zoom before COVID, you know? Uh, I happen to use it with one specific client, but never really use it again. Same, same. Yeah. I had one specific organization that I worked with that happened to use Zoom, but, you know. Right. And then it, and it, I'm sure it's happened to all of us throughout this whole COVID period of somebody like Zoom, somebody likes Teams, somebody likes Google Meet, and and you you sign on, you're like, wait, where's the mute button? Where's my face? How do I turn, like, where's that? There's, that's that's all learning. I, I think of resumes, when you put under special skills, uh, I know Microsoft Office, I'm experiencing that. You're starting to see now, I know Google Suite, I know the G Suite, uh, because that's evolving, right? It's not just Microsoft Office, now G Suite is an option. So uh, there, it, it, it also makes me think, to pose a question, do your fundamentals change as the technology changes? I give the example of, uh, I remember that in, in my educational career, we had to learn how to hand draft before you got to CAD draft, right? But now 3D drafting is really kicking off. So is it almost a waste of time maybe to spend any class portion, any amount of credits on hand drafting, should you learn how to basic 2D draft in order to then 3D draft while you're still under the uh, educational umbrella for rendering? And I remember like you, the, the life form drawing classes that you had to do and how do you hold your pencil and how do you, before you digitally render? Same thing, do you, do, does that bar, does that base bar kind of get raised a little? I'm like, well, you're not going to need to do this ever again. So let's, we're going to kick this up in order. So when you graduate, you've left a little more advanced than the previous classes and keep pushing. Like the, the, do the final, do the fundamentals change? Does that baseline move? I think the baseline moves because the student comes in at a different baseline. I, I right. mean, that's my, that's sort of my opinion. I also think the last year the baseline moved, right? Like I always, we always moved into more digital work eventually, right? But we started at some other space and, and last spring, so spring 2020, suddenly I'm, I'm pushed off campus with a costume design one class group of graduate students. And I'm like, well, we're gonna have to move digital right now, right? There's no waiting till your second year or your third year to get into this. We're just gonna get into it. Um, and is their work worse? No, it's actually better, right? So um, I'm, I'm totally, totally with you. I also, in the costume technology uh, end of things, I have a former student who was a um, CAD drafter uh, for Disney, uh, Disney costumes um, pre, pre-pandemic. And what she said to me about it is, 
you know, she learned how to hand draft as drapers and, and pattern makers in the costume shop do. She's like, once you learn that, it's not that hard, right? You already know what you're doing. You just literally have to learn the, the hot buttons and the keys and how the program works. It speaks to that foundation idea and building on the foundation and, and building and building. I, I'm not going to touch the whether we should be teaching hand drafting or not topic. <laughs> I'm not touching it. Uh, I wise. It's, wise. it's too controversial for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Maybe based on what you just said, John, uh, an argument could be made that the finish line isn't the only thing that moves. It's, it's not the only thing that you're chasing. That starting line is moving as well. Argument to be made, maybe not, you know, as to how far back that starting line is uh, based on not touching the hand drafting topic. Cause there's certainly probably many others that feel that way of like, no, 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 we still gotta do. Uh, but I think the flip scenario of maybe we don't have to do it could also kind of be discussed. Uh, sure, I, I I feel like you're instigating me to no, get into no. it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> which is fine. I I think that there's immense value to what is taught in the hand drafting classes, um, and you know how to hold that pencil and how to work in scale and how to um how to plan out a drawing and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's very hard the first time you sit down at a CAD screen. But once you get past that first 10 or 15 commands in CAD, it's mm -hmm. going to be easier to put out a higher quality drawing than that 10 hours or whatever. Uh, of hand drafting the first time you sit down to hold the T-square and your yeah, back's hey. going to hurt less. But that's and a, hold on. That's a, I'm going to, I'm going to play the other side of this for just a second. That's a product driven, driven response, right? Because think of all the learning that, and you acknowledge this a little bit, but think of all the learning that goes into like thinking through a layout of, of a drafting plate when you're doing it by hand, the, the sort of, I don't, I guess, respect, although that's not really what I'm looking for here. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, so old school that I need you to respect the old school way by struggling through, but the respect that goes into to the idea that you're doing it by hand and, and the purpose of each stroke and not being able to just erase, right? So one of the things in, in costume rendering that the digital world sometimes creates is this lack of commitment because you can just erase the whole thing and it'll only take you another 30 or 40 minutes to redo the whole thing. So you literally can no longer to commit to a choice, right? A design choice, because literally you're just gonna erase it and do it again. And I'm like, stop, stop erasing. <laughs> so this is good. We, we might have hit upon a hot topic here uh, <laughs> for a future episode. Uh, 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 I got more I, to I, say about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. We're going to have a couple more drinks over this drafting subject uh, later on in the future. I want to hear uh, what people have to say about it, too. Come on, yeah. engage with us on social media and whatnot and tell us your two cents. Are you a student who thinks 
hand drafting was miserable and don't want to do it and just wanted to learn computer drawing? Or are you a, a TD that doesn't use computer drafting and thinks they could draft a flat faster than me? Like, yeah, I want to yeah. hear it. Yeah, drafting, rendering, definitely uh, to our audience engage out there. Thank you for saying that, John. Uh, we are now, you can find our podcast. Uh, let's see, help me out, guys. We are on Spotify. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on TuneIn. Uh, we, you can uh, find us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. We're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, email, 801backstage at gmail.com. Uh, so you can find our, web, our website, 801backstage.com. Uh, so you can find us on all these avenues. Please share, like us, and and respond to us. You know, ch- challenge our perspective here, or or take our side. Uh, we've been trying to say from the beginning, we're we're not an expert on anything. Uh, we've merely we've merely kind of opened up this platform uh, for others to to join in and and uh, and tell us your opinions. Uh, so we want this to be considered as a platform for our listeners. Uh, share your, your, your perspectives. Did I did I miss any social media? Did we catch them catch them all? No, you're good. You're good. I would I would say uh, not a lot of activity on Twitter yet. So you know, if you <laughs> if you right. find us there, we will we will try to to catch up on the Twitter. <laughs> That's fine. We'll have the occasional tweet here and there. Uh, that's what's going on. Um, okay. Thank you all again. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to be here in this space with you, John and Jen. Uh, to our listeners, uh, hope you really enjoyed this one. Uh, kind of had a, a very interesting cliffhanger here. So stay tuned for a, a future episode of, of how this may pick up a continuation. Uh, but all that being said, thank you all again for joining us here at the 801 Pod Bar. And stay tuned to listening to our next last call. Thank you. All right, welcome everyone to this evening's last call portion. Uh, today, we are lucky enough to welcome our special guest that, uh, that we have today is Angie. Angie, thank you for joining us on 801. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Our pleasure. Uh, Angie, why don't, uh, we, we always like to start off the right way with, uh, why don't you give us a full introduction about yourself so the audience knows who we're talking to here. Yeah, um, so I go by Angie, Andrea. I use she, her, her pronouns. I currently reside in the lands of Timakua and the Seminole tribes. And you can find me online um, at Angie Costumes on Instagram and uh, same for my website. Awesome, great. Well, welcome again, Angie. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, you, you talked about where you are geographically, uh, but where you are right now, as far as, are you a student? Are you working? Uh, what organization are you with? Yeah, so I'm currently finishing my first year of my MFA graduate program at University of Florida here in Gainesville. And that's actually currently where I live and I'll be staying this summer. Awesome, University of Florida, great. Uh, have you been enjoying your time there so far? The weather is a little different from what I'm used to. I'm from Portland, Oregon, so it's like as far as you can get across the country. 
but overall, like I can go swimming in, you know, January, February, because I'm used to the water being cold. So I can't complain. Awesome. Yeah. Extreme opposites there. So you're a couple years out, but uh, have you thought about what life looks like after the University of Florida, where are you headed to next? Honestly, I'm still figuring it out, but I definitely know that I want to work internationally at some point uh, since I'm bilingual and already speak uh, fluently in Russian and Ukrainian. I think I could like maybe start there and then make my way across Eurasia. Uh, New Zealand looks very appealing because that's where Lord of the Rings and other films like that are filmed. So that's potential. So I'm just kind of letting the uh, wind take me wherever it goes is the plan for now. Oh, that sounds real fun. At the very least, it sounds like a great backpacking adventure. Why don't you share a little bit more of, of the other side of Angie and uh, a little fun fact about yourself? Anything? What's the fun tidbit? I, uh, I usually, when somebody asks me this question, I go immediately to my pets for some reason. So I currently have four cats and we recently got a snake. Um, so that's fun. Uh, she's just a tiny little thing, but we I've wanted one forever. And my wife was like, I want a snake too. So we were like, let's just get one. So. Do they all get along, cats and snakes? Uh, we keep the snake separate from the cats, actually. <laughs> worry the cats might get to it, but um, it's, it's fun to just kind of like watch her slither around in her little terrarium and, you know, eat her little mice. Yeah, Not for everyone, yeah. but. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, so Angie, uh, as you know, here on 801 during our last cough format here, uh, the, our, our, our most favorite part about this section is that we get to meet new people. We get to highlight those new people. Uh, today, it's you. Uh, and in turn, we get to kind of receive a back something from those new people and they get to prompt us on our next episode. Uh, I hear that you've prepared something for us and so very interested to hear you kick us off into our next topic. So I wanted to hear you guys talk about how you face um, and recover from burnout. So be it like creative, physical, mental, I feel like we all have a one point or another um, and all of our careers have taken on way more work than we could handle and burned ourselves out. So how did you manage it? Um, do you have suggestions on coping or avoiding it in the future? And um, after dealing with it, how did you reignite your passion for your work? Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a great question. Especially as you talk to a group of people late at night making a recording here. <laughs> I think uh, at the very least, we could still start a conversation on burnout here and what that looks like. Uh, the, the interesting I thought of, thing that I thought about uh, is that even during COVID, during a period in which we're theoretically not doing anything, it's kind of brought on its own kind of burnout there on a, maybe on a more emotional level. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's still, Still very much a present topic pre, during, and I'm sure post COVID. Uh, so 
That's great. That's great. Thank you, Angie, uh, for kicking this off there. Uh, and thank you for your time and for joining us here on 801. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.